Call me, won't you? Written by Alice Althea. Read by Kaylin Wrights. Chapter 6. Monday, 21st May. Harry! Harry, one moment! Pausing in step, Jenny at his heel, Harry turned. Across the road, Mary slipped through her splintered front gate, nearly tripping over herself in her hastiness. A pin-thin woman, she always emitted an aura of stressed exhaustion. Harry supposed it was only natural given her circumstances. She worked herself nearly to death. Hi, Mary, he said, smiling as she drew to a stop beside him. He glanced down at the paper bag she offered him. What? Your bowls, she said, giving a strained smile in reply. I've been meaning to give them back to you. Harry shrugged, accepting the bag. It's only been a week. I know. Still. Thank you. Really. Harry cocked his head, regarding her. Mary always seemed so utterly grateful for the slightest offer of support. It was just an easy dinner, Mary. It's not just the dinner. It is. You send us something every week. I know. I like to. Mary bit her lip, lowering her gaze. I wish you'd at least let me pay for the groceries. Oh, no, don't do that, Harry grinned. You'd make me feel guilty for pandering to my cooking habits. Mary raised an eyebrow. You don't like cooking? I beg to differ on that point. No one likes cooking. Just because you don't doesn't mean that other people don't as well. Mary shook her head. She glanced toward her house across the road as the door opened, emitting two of the twins. A sigh slipped nearly silently from her lips. Thank you, she murmured again. Harry didn't shrug it off. Not this time. There was a time and a place for simple acceptance. You're welcome. Hi, Harry, Annabelle called, scampering towards them. Use the gate, Anna, Mary said, too late to stop Annabelle and her sister from all but leaping over the fence. It wobbled dangerously with their climb. Harry, guess what? Annabel said, darting across the road and entirely ignoring her mother's voiced precaution about the danger of cars. Nina followed, just as obliviously. Guess what we saw today? What did you see? Harry couldn't help but smile down at the two girls as they immediately fell to their knees alongside Jenny, showering her with pats and kisses to her head. Did you go on an excursion or something? Nope, Annabel said. It wasn't even at school. Nina bounced to her feet, beaming up at him. It was after, when we got home. There was someone... Nina, I'm telling the story. But I want to tell too. You can't. I started it. But you always... It's not fair if you... Can't it be my turn? Why don't you tell me together? Harry asked, sharing a glance with Mary as she rolled her eyes at the girl's antics. Annabelle and Nina glanced up at him in unison exchanged another glance, then Annabelle launched into an explanation. Me and Nina and John and Riley went down to the park at the end of the street, she began. And there was some man down there asking a whole bunch of questions, Nina continued. Yeah, and we thought he was a spy or something, because he was asking heaps and heaps of them. And he looked really suspicious. Yeah, really, really suspicious. So we didn't tell him anything about... You were talking to a stranger? Harry frowned, glancing at Mary. 
At the disregarding wave of her hand, his wariness eased. If Mary was aware of what had happened and wasn't worried, then he wouldn't be either. What was he asking about? The girls grinned. They were asking if you lived around here. A shiver dribbled down Harry's spine. He didn't let his expression shift, but he felt it nonetheless. His hand dropped onto Jenny's head as she heaved herself to her feet, as always, sensing his abrupt discomfort. Someone, someone looking for. It didn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Harry had faith in Hermione's charms. He knew they would continue to hold, would continue to deter any unwanted eyes from peering too closely at Harry's house. Even so, history of nosy reporters and violations of privacy were difficult memories to shake. Harry couldn't help but curl his fingers into Jenny's fur, clinging to her in an effort to calm himself. It's okay. It's not like the girls told him anything, right? The girls didn't say anything, Mary said, as though reading his mind. They weren't raised to be tattletales. Hmm? Harry glanced towards her curiously. The man was a reporter. Mary folded her arms tightly across her chest, lips thinning. Or so it seemed. From what the girls tell me, he's far from being the first. Hmm, Harry hummed. What else could he say? One has to wonder what they're always doing poking around. Yeah, I wonder. Though it has been a while since we've seen one. Which is probably a good thing. Yes, Mary shot him a glance, lips tugging to the side. Probably a good thing. Nosy people don't belong around these parts, if they want to keep their noses. Yeah, Nina said, smirking. They'd get them cut off. Ew, Annabelle pulled a face. That's really gross. I know, imagine what it would look like if someone got their nose cut off. Could you see their brains? I bet you could, maybe... Thank you, Harry murmured, stepping to Mary's side as the girls rambled and lowering his voice slightly. I appreciate it. Mary's smile was a small but fierce thing. Don't mention it. It's the least we could do. Harry's smile was just as small, but he fathomed it was just as sincere. The girls were still chattering, their voices echoing along the length of the street in their enthusiasm when Harry turned to his house. A reporter. Really? Another one? Mary was right, for it had been months since there had been any unwanted poking around Chansey Street. Harry knew that the location of the residence was a public mystery that still graced magazines every so often, with shrewd speculations and explanations for his secrecy. But he'd held feeble hope that the recent silence on the subject had changed that. Harry didn't want to move away was comfortable where he was, but he would if he had to. He left the roadside with Mary and her girls still echoing their excitement along the otherwise empty pavement. Striding into his kitchen, Harry tossed his keys on the bench and absently made about pouring out a bowl of Jenny's food. If he tossed the scraps of meat and kibble with a little more force than was necessary, he didn't think he could be blamed. In this instance, frustration didn't seem to wane with time. Damn reporters. Damn journalists. Harry had never had a vendetta against anyone before. Or at least not since the war. 
but he thought he might just be able to develop one with the realm of media and their intrusiveness. It was bloody annoying. What was the point of splashing his words across every available surface, unless he had something to say? With a jolt, Harry paused mid-stab, fork lodged in the chunk of dog meat. A thought arose. A niggle of a thought that surfaced at his passing frustration. An idea that took root. Nothing to say. How long has it been since something I've said actually did anyone any good? If I could... Maybe I could... Harry stared blankly down at Jenny's bowl, but barely registered the contents, before glancing over his shoulder towards the scuffed clock hanging a little crookedly from his wall. Nearly five o'clock. He should be receiving a call any moment now. David's calls came like clockwork. He was particularly meticulous with such things, just as he was with words, or at least he was when he wasn't flustered. Meticulous, well-spoken, dry, yet attentive. It was a picture of David that Harry had built up over the course of barely a handful of weeks, painting a faceless picture that was nonetheless assuming a recognizable form. David. There was an idea there. David himself hadn't planted it in Harry's mind directly, but simple happenstance had brought it to life nonetheless. People like David were an issue, a forgotten issue that had been swept under the rug. People like David were shunted to the side, with little to support themselves, cut off at the knees, without even the emotional crutch of friends, that had more than likely been similarly ostracized, if not directly escorted to Azkaban. People like David might not need help of the kind that Harry could fix with a little bit of money, but they could certainly use some recognition, right? Jenny's pleading whine drew Harry's attention back to her bowl. Sorry, Jen, he murmured, drawing his phone from his pocket and staring at the blank screen. I was just thinking. Shaking himself, he finished with Jenny's dinner, placed her bowl on the ground, and strode into his study. If nothing else, the idea had the potential of making a change. A slight change that could make a difference to just a few people. That one of those people was David was the giant cherry atop the dessert. David was an exception. He'd become an exception. It wasn't just because he'd helped Harry only recently, or because Harry knew of his experience on a more personal level. David was... had become... Somehow, special. If that wasn't a good enough reason to help him out, then Harry didn't know what was. Hello, Potter. Are we really going to start off every conversation like this? You know my name. Well, I have an expectation to meet. You really don't have to force yourself. I'll twist my arm. (laughs) How are you? Why do you feel the need to ask me such a thing every time I call? Is it a problem? Most people don't usually ask after the well-being of their charity callers. Then most people are arseholes. Don't lie. You love most people. Maybe, but you've got proof these days that I don't exactly have a wealth of friends. I do, yes. You've revealed my dirty secrets. I think we have different definitions of the term. Oh? What would your definition be? Harry, I'm in my workplace. Right, 
Of course. How is it in there? What? I realize I've never actually asked you. What's it like working in a muggle call center? It's... it's not a call center per se. Humor me. Why would you like to know? Because. That's not an answer. Okay, then. Because I feel like it's a little sickening that people don't know what you're experiencing, and that it's unjust. So I want to learn, see if I can do anything. David? What is wrong with you? What? Why do you feel the incessant need to help people? What? There's something innately wrong with you. You saved the world, Harry. Why do you feel like you should do more? I... I didn't. I, I don't... I don't know. It just feels right. People aren't supposed to be so inherently good. I don't like that assumption. What assumption? That people who occasionally do good things are inherently good. Goodness is a spectrum. It takes effort. And even so-called good people can do bad things just as often. What? How do you know that I don't, I don't know, leave banana peels on the pavement in my spare time? Wow. The epitome of evil. It's an example of something small. It's a prank. Pranks can still be damaging, even dangerous. When I was at school, I'm not sure if you know, just about every minute of my school life was published a couple of years ago. Yes, I know. I read about it. Did you? Is that how you know the details? Well, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit of an asshole at school. You weren't. What? I sincerely doubt you were worse than any of your other classmates. I don't know. I butted heads with a few of them. Did some pretty bad things. I'm sure they did bad things too. Because you read about it? What I'm saying is, I could be a bit of a prat at school too. I did things that weren't good. And you know what? I wasn't punished for them. What are you saying exactly? I'm saying, in case you're being deliberately obtuse, humor me, that just because people do good things doesn't mean they're necessarily good people. Just like the fact that some people do bad things doesn't make them inherently bad, or erase the fact that their bad act might have been a one-off, or justifiable, or against their will. I... I feel you're... Hmm? What are you trying to elicit of me? Be specific. I'm just curious. I, um... What? I guess I sort of wanted to know your story. I don't think that you deserve the circumstances that were forced upon you. You don't know what I did? Maybe not, but it wasn't bad enough to wind you up in Azkaban, so... That doesn't mean that it wasn't horrendous. I think we might have different definitions of that, too. You... you don't know what I... No, I don't. And you don't have to tell me. But that doesn't mean that the punishments for a whole lot of people in the war aren't unfair. A lot of things were unfair about the war. Severus Snape shouldn't have been killed. Regulus Black either, or Karkaroff, though he was a traitorous coward. They didn't deserve to die, 
even if they were Death Eaters. On the flip side, I don't think that the punishments afflicted by the victors are any fairer. Not shouldn't have been thrown in jail for what he supposedly did. No one can prove it. Narcissa Malfoy either, seeing as she didn't do anything directly. You. What? You really think that? Yeah. I think that people like you, people who just got caught up in what happened because of family, or or because you happened to be there and got involved when you were trying to protect yourself, I don't think you should have been punished as you were. My punishment is far from extreme. How long is your sentence? If you don't mind me asking. It's ten years. Ten? So you're nearly... Nearly free, yes. Oh, wow, that's... I know. Fantastic. I know. You haven't been allowed to do magic, have you? I'm allowed. I'm just incapable. Meaning? I... I cannot... succeed in my attempts. My efforts are feeble at best, and would leave a first year scornful. Shit. An apt appraisal, yes. It's like a cap on your magic? Yes, precisely. And you've had that for ten years? Harry, I haven't spoken to a... to someone like yourself for that entire time. My interactions have been almost exclusively with those in my workplace. I've been restrained from visiting my family or friends, and the forbiddance on acting out has been enforced with the looming threat of more extreme punishments. So yes, it has been horrendous, but it is simply a piece of the whole. David. It's painful, infuriating, hateful even, yes. Dave. Barely a day passes when I don't regret every decision that landed me in my current situation, and not only because of how it affects me. I can see the damage my actions have done to those who were implicated. I never considered, never even thought of what impact it would have upon those beyond my field of concern. It's impossible not to see it, to realize, when every day I'm bound to a workplace that aims to fund the support of those who are so damaged. So, yes, it is horrid, but it is justified. It's not. What? You didn't... David, you don't deserve that. You don't know. You don't. It's not fair. I want to help. What? No, nothing, Frank. It's nothing. No, I don't need your assistance. Why would I? I told you less than an hour ago that I don't need a cup of tea. Are you sure about that? What? I know you were talking to Frank, but a cup of tea should help. It generally does. David? Are you okay? I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm fine. I apologize for my, uh, my... You don't need to apologize. It's the first you've told me about it. For good reason. Because it's easier not to talk about it? Or because you don't want anyone to know? A bit of both, perhaps. Understandable. But, David... Yes? You don't deserve it. And I sincerely look forward to the day that your sentence is finished.
That much you do deserve. Harry, I long for that day every second of my life. The phone fell onto the desk with a thunk. Harry ignored it. Chin falling into one hand, he stared down at the lines of notes he'd hashed out in a mess of nearly illiterate letters. Harry had never been an academic person, had never enjoyed writing in endless essays with a grain of intellectual undertones. Not like him, because it was very apparent that David, David who likely wasn't David, who Harry didn't think could possibly be just David, appeared to be with every word he uttered. But it was something, the foundations, something to work with and build upon, something that could make a difference if he used the tools available to him. For a time, Harry had resented the limelight. He'd spoken loudly, made pointed comments, criticized the media and their attacks, to say nothing of the foolishness of the very nature of their work. Who cared what he said? Who cared why he said it? Harry was a hero by title only. He hadn't really done anything to warrant praise, appreciation, or avid attention beyond existing as Voldemort's antithesis and planting himself where countless people far more intelligent than himself had directed him. Why did the end of the war abruptly color him as some wise, worldly figure? Harry was just Harry. He'd always been just Harry. Resentment had faded over time into resignation. It became apparent that there would be no deflection, just as there would be no waning in adoration, for reasons that Harry still couldn't fathom. He'd made the best with what he had, using the funds that were all but thrown his way for barely a handful of words and a photograph, and he'd made it work. If nothing else, he tried to put it to good use. He'd tried, he really had, but it had never felt enough. It had never been personal. Gazing down at his notes, at the words David had uttered, with fractures and warbles throughout his eloquent tirade, Harry felt the distinction. This was something that no one spoke of. It was something that no one seemed to care about, even if they should. Just because there was no light illuminating the mess of the situation didn't mean that mess suddenly ceased to exist. Harry reached blindly for his phone once more as he scanned the notes. He thumbed through his contacts, staring at it in a momentary pause, and stretching his memory for a name before hitting the call button. Good evening. You've reached Rochelle McGuinness's office. How may I help you? Hi, Harry said, drawing a vague circle around David's name at the top of the page. This is Harry Potter. Rochelle sent me a letter a couple of months ago regarding a meeting. I'd like to speak to her about arranging that interview.